what a week of philosophical uh, conundrums, philosophical challenges. I've had to think about a lot of what I kind of hang my hat on when it comes to things that I've developed in my personal life that helps me navigate the world a little bit. One of those ideas is the idea of being able to support someone else's dream. Especially if you don't really, uh, haven't really uh, realized your dream or, you know, whatever you want out of life or whatever your aspirations could be. For a long time, I said, I would support the dreams of others until my dreams kind of became realized. And over the course of this last week, I've read a really beautiful story about someone who didn't have a dream of his own and was able to and and met someone who had a very concrete idea of what he wanted his dream to be. So this person followed that person and believed in that person's dream until a certain point in their relationship where he overheard uh, the dreamer talking to someone, to a love interest. And the dreamer said, very loosely, no, pretty specifically actually, he said um, that he wasn't speaking to to the particular person that was helping him achieve his dream, but he was saying that his friend's are those that have their own path, those that have their own dreams and are doing whatever they can to realize those dreams. They're not tools for someone else or they're not uh, um, those that he considers friends are on equal footing with him in their pursuit of their excellence, in the pursuit of their dream. And that was a shot to the gut, for sure, for me and for the character. Um, Because the way that others see you, and when you hear about the way that they see you, it's humbling. In my mind, help is something that you almost exclusively receive from friends, especially when it comes to helping you realize what you want out of this world. And you can go along thinking that these people are really um, cherishing you, appreciating the effort that that you're putting forth to have their dream realized. And in this story, while it could be true that the dreamer is very much appreciative of the people that are in his life to bring his dream to reality. He doesn't think of them as equals. He doesn't think of them as better friends, as deeper friends, as better connections. Because those people are helping him achieve his dream, his goal, his vision for his particular life. thought about that with a couple of podcasts, a particular podcast when the uh, the members of that podcast got into arguments and things like that, but 
it was a really humbling story. And it got me thinking about Esther Perel's quote. One of my favorite quotes from her is, the quality of your life is directly related to the quality of your relationships. And so I guess we're going to talk about a couple of those relationships or forms of relationships today in this show. But uh, before we get into that, I actually want to start the show. And what a great week of music. What a great couple of weeks of music. From Kaliuchis to Tyler, the Creator, dropping his deluxe album. So one of my personal favorite R&B artists who, go by the name of, who goes by the name of Daniel Caesar, he's got an album called Never Enough. And uh, yeah, let's start the show with this song. Small Chops Pod, y'all. Another week. Oh man. What an interesting week. What a beautifully music laced week for me. A weekend. A young boy who can't hear must feel. A young boy who can't hear must feel, but also a young boy who's never been told must also feel. As we're reeling off of reeling, I don't know why that word has been on my mind lately. Uh, as I've been enjoying the comments, uh, the participation, as well as the um, reception of my audio offering. Uh, over the last couple of weeks uh, If you don't know I've been Just wrapped up a four week series um, Breaking down the book The Art of Loving by Eric Fromm And it's been a very Very humbling situation It's been enlightening to say the least I love the Notes that I've taken from that book I love the things that apply to my life I love the way I've been able to see love And my participation In it through the eyes of that book and through the conversations that my podcast episodes have been able to foster. And um, thinking about that young boy who can't hear must feel. And there, when especially when it comes to love, there have been a lot of um, opportunities to learn. Some call them mistakes. <laughs> some call them errors. Some call them uh, foolhardy decisions. But at the end of the day, they have created in me lasting impressions and they've given me and others an opportunity um, to see things from another's point of view, I guess, to understand uh, love's contribution to my life, um, to understand how my relationship with love has been developing and 
lately after speaking with some of uh, some really good friends i start to wonder what uh the value i guess of romantic love deep romantic love what that does for life what that does for um quality of life you know what i mean uh we all know that that's something that we do want you know um we all know i think that uh deep connection is something that makes life that much sweeter but at what cost um pain is inevitable misery is a choice And I, I won't say I've seen it, and I'm not going to say it's the vast majority of relationships that I've been exposed to, but there are levels of um, pain that prevent a lot of us from wanting to be vulnerable again, from wanting to be as vulnerable as we have been, uh, whether it's with um, partners that we are actually seeking long-term relationships with, whether it is um, long-term situationships that don't quite turn into the relationship that we may have wanted them to be, uh, whether it's somebody that you kind of stop speaking with and um, they return into your life one way or the other, there have been painful moments that could absolutely lead to misery. And the older I get, the more I start seeing patterns of what could result in a lifetime of misery and also what um, prevents people from opening up again. As we get older, we have more experiences, hopefully. And the more we get hurt, the more we try to defend ourselves from hurt, like any, you know, creature on this planet would do. And I guess love is one of the only situation. One is love. Love is one of the only um, I'm not calling it an item, <laughs> but something that we want to attain that we can't guard ourselves or guard ourselves against um, it going awry, right? If you want a deep, loving relationship with somebody that you haven't known your whole life, or somebody that you haven't had that uh, kind of bond with before, there's a level of openness that you need. There's a level of um, vulnerability is a word that in my conversations has given me a different perspective. Yes, you need to um, have bonds. Yes, you need to have deep relationships. And how does vulnerability look in those deep relationships? Does vulnerability have to always be spoken? Do I really need to talk about the way that I grew up and the issues that I've had with um, past loves or the issues that I've had um, in my childhood when it comes to love, what does that contribute to the relationship? How does that form of vulnerability um, give the person that I want to have a lasting relationship? How does it give them what is it? Insight? Not even insight, because I—I I mean, you know, being able to give anyone insight is 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 valuable. But being able to turn those conversations against you, 
being able to see you in a different light, um, being able or preventing yourself from being seen as a vulnerable person, as a vulnerable child, I think helps in certain relationships. Uh, From the masculine point of view, I've had several conversations with people who believe that vulnerability um, about your childhood or about your shortcomings shouldn't be shared with your partner or maybe not even be shared with the opposite sex. Instead, that should be shared with those close friends, those confidants that you can have outside of your relationship to contribute um, to you being more of a of a rock in your relationship when it comes to the what do you want to call it? The, yeah, the man of the relationship. There are some traditional aspects of relationships that we can bring um, updated versions to from. No, that we can bring updated versions of <clears throat> from our pasts. And while I thought closeness and vulnerability involved really being able to speak from the heart and speak about those things that trouble you and speak about those shortcomings to your partner. Sometimes it isn't so. And uh, I've bear, I've bore witness to how being that kind of vulnerable with your partner specifically could lead to there being a, a lack of sympathy because you would think that that would lead to a little bit more um, understanding or more benefit of doubt, the benefit of doubt or yeah, or sympathy. And in many cases, in some cases that isn't so. In fact, that changes someone's view of you. Um, and maybe you're not aligned with what that person wants in a partner. And so long as you keep those ideas of yourself, those ideas of your shortcomings, those ideas of your in- inadequacies away from your partner, um, you can almost front like you don't have those or you're not, you're not aware of them. And that could contribute to you being the rock of your relationship. You know, let's say crying, for example. Um, crying in front of your partner when you watch a sentimental part in a movie is very different than crying in front of your partner whenever you're speaking about how you may not be where you want to be in your life at the moment. And one of those two could severely, could dramatically change the dynamic of your relationship. The traditional role of a man in a relationship is to be that rock, is to be someone that others can lean on, is to be steady, is to be dependable, almost uh, almost like you are rewarded if you stay the same. By that I mean someone knows how you're going to react to certain stimulus People know how you, um, for the most part, uh, are going to enjoy your days or your weekends. So going bungee jumping this weekend and then going, I don't know, vacationing in rustic Georgia, something like that, another weekend. These things don't lead someone to think that they are getting to know you. Or I think that they don't 
lead anyone think they don't lead your partner to think that there is some kind of consistency when it comes to your interests or the things that you choose to do. So that I would almost call it boringness, right? When someone knows that, no, these are the foods that you like, these are the places that you like to go, for the most part. If 80% of those things stay the same, that is a benefit to the relationship because they are learning you. They know what your um, habits are, what your tastes are. And the fewer options that you have to express those or to to enjoy those uh, parts of your life, um, the better it may be for your relationship. I've been watching this show, Love is Blind. I, I yeah, Love is Blind season four. Someone just put me on it, and I've I've seen the previous season. I'm not sure which one, but this season there's so many. Uh, there's so many things that kind of upset me about some of the matches. If you're not familiar with the show on Netflix, Love is Blind is where um, people date without seeing each other and they do a lot of talking. And so much of that talking is how the relationship is built so that when bonds are created, those bonds are built outside of the physical and then the physical either adds to it and enhances it or it doesn't. And in certain situations... The bonds have been so strong. The verbal bonds have been so strong that the people that they choose may not be the people that they want to stay with. And one particular um, couple, it bums me out that this guy really wants to be emotional and vulnerable when it comes to his feelings and how he sees his partner. And while his partner feels... Like, that's what she needs. She just can't react to it positively. She cannot enjoy the fact that he wants to be as emotionally vulnerable to her as possible. And you see her reel from that. She's not, let's do that word again. She's not doing it purposefully. She's not telling him to stop being vulnerable to me. She acknowledges that this is something that she thinks that she needs because historically her, um, her significant others or the people, the people that she was attracted to were people that were not emotionally as vulnerable as this person is. And she chose him because of his vulnerability. And as he tries to create a life with her, um, after they meet, she just she just can't. She just can't bring herself to do it. And while the season isn't over yet, you 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 can see it. You can see her frustration. You can see how foreign his particular form of love to her is, and I feel bad for him. But also. He's a product of a gen. He's a product of not even a generation because I think this is more than just uh, this last, this particular, you know, this most recent generation. This is 
a lifestyle or a way of seeing the world that has been taught for a couple of generations now. And it doesn't seem to be serving him particularly really well. Now, of course, he can find somebody else that will appreciate it and blah, blah, blah. That's the third. Um, I've also <laughs> been watching another show called Married at First Sight. And while like reality TV is not something that I indulge in, when it comes to when it comes to love, when it comes to finding lasting love, I'm really curious as to how people go about it and what value it it brings in their lives. So these two shows are really um, interesting because there are people who don't want to go through traditional relationships to find their person. There are people who are um, willing to do something different for the prospect of long-lasting partnership. And there's a person on this particular show, in this particular season, who admits to being um, walked on, taken advantage of by not just his last partner, but a couple of partners. And earlier in the season, you see him get really frustrated because when they're trying to you know, build their life together, he's not able to... Um, the, the the apartment that they're moving into isn't able to accommodate the dogs from both partners. And the way that he kind of, <laughs> the way that he gets really emotional and starts crying at the prospect of not being able to have his dogs together with her dog is rough. And you can see the emotional vulnerability, but... I hate to call it worse, but even on, on another on another level, he, you know, confides in her and he's stressed out with her. And the way that he the way that he shows his stress is by crying. And she picks up the reins and she says, no, no, we can we can fix this. All right. Well, there's a solution to the situation. And, you know, we'll do X, Y and Z. And they solve it. They get past it. I think he grows more fond of her because of her ability to help him through that situation. And while her reaction isn't immediately obvious or the way that she sees him doesn't seem to change, she still very verbally is, you know, I'm so happy with this person. This person is this and the third. You see how she changes throughout the season. You see what she gets um, concerned by uh, when it comes to, quote unquote, the good guy. I hate that good guy is is synonymous with this kind of person. You know what I mean? Uh, I'm a jerk because I'm not emotionally um, forthright or I'm not as um, open with what I'm vulnerable about. Or, you know, I'm a little guarded or shielded when it comes to those things. And this guy isn't. And it seems to be working against him because instead of her saying, hey, these are things that I don't like in the relationship or don't like from him. She is really putting it on herself. She's saying, I don't want to be the person that um, doesn't appreciate what I have. I know he's a great guy. I know that I'm happy. Or I know that this is what I want. I know this is the kind of relationship that I think will make me happy. And you just kind of see it's not working out. I encourage you to 
do all three things. Uh, watch Love is Blind. Take a stab at Married at First Sight. And definitely enjoy this Daniel Caesar album. It's a really good album. All of his albums have been. And over the last two years, he's had to um, do a good bit of apologizing for some of the comments he made back in 2019. Daniel Caesar is somebody that found his um, found his his uh, self esteem through his contribution, through his music, through his uh, his offerings to the world, and in his last album, Forty and One Hundred One, I think it's called. He has this line that says, I really wanted to feel the love of the people. I really wanted to be accepted. And he was like, now that I feel it, I'm actually kind of terrified. <laughs> this isn't what I thought it would be at all. And yeah, there's a certain disillusionment that happens when either the culture that you grew up in isn't being forthright about what it is to be in serious relationships or the culture that you're that you grew up in kind of glorifies certain aspects of relationship that don't necessarily lead to long lasting relationships. We both can't be captains of, of these boats that are sailing along. We both can't be, um, leaders at the same time we both can't offer the same things in relationships valuing what the other partner what your partner brings valuing um what it is a biology valuing how they see the world valuing their role in your relationship is extremely important and as we learn the renegotiations of the 21st century when it comes to modern relationships in this internet age. Being more verbal is very important. Being more communicative is still one of the cornerstones of any healthy relationship. But what are, what are we communicating? Am I telling you my deepest, darkest secrets? Do I even want you to tell me your deepest, darkest secrets? Not to harp on Esther Perel, but, you know, she's just like my godmother when it comes to this this kind of thing. Uh, she spoke previously about us needing so much from our particular partner. We need them to be our confident, we need, confidant. We need them to be our best friend. We need them to be the listener in our lives. We need them to be the person that we talk to about work, about our stresses, all of these things. Um, we need them to all be wrapped up in the same person. And then still, we need them to be our lovers, to be the ones that we can be vulnerable with, to be the ones that we can be sexually exciting with. And that might not all, have, that might not all um, be wrapped into the same person. We, we may not want that. In actuality, we're going to have to spread that around a little bit more, or at least try, see what that looks like. Let's see what it looks like to um, have a partner that we don't have to tell everything to. Have a partner that we don't have to talk about our days at work with. Have a partner that we don't have to um, speak, about, speak about like those real deep, dark secrets that we have. Um, let's just see what that looks like. 
and let's see if we can build a relationship based off of what we are presented from our partners and appreciate what they're willing to give us and not seek for what we want um, from them or from the relationship. The renegotiation is happening and our superpower is being able to roll with it is being able to create our dynamic that works one size doesn't fit all, but as long as everyone is um, amendable or as long as everyone's willing to figure out what works for them and adjust, I think it'd be a powerful way of seeing the world. Now, I can't say that I'm correct, but I'm absolutely um, encouraging you to try something different to get a different result. Thank you again for listening to this episode of Small Chops Podcast. We're diving deep into another book in probably a week or so, maybe next week or the week after. Intimate Communion is going to be a book that uh, I'm going to be reading and I'll be breaking down and uh, I look forward to providing those insights. Until then, Superpowers by Daniel Caesar. I'll talk to you in a week. All God's children are special, but not like you, no, not like you, lift your